welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm grossed out. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumloopste-Sequetan territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequetan-Ulu. And today's text, Wetlands by Charlotte Roche, is set in Germany. And uh, we don't have a territorial acknowledgement for Germany. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I will say off the top, nice to be back in Europe. Always fun go. to get out of North America and explore mm-hmm. a different way of thinking about youth and coming of age so i'll say that off the top <laughs> i like this gentle cushioning <laughs> uh and also i kind of hated this <laughs> yeah we knew that this was going to be a struggle so folks welcome to our end of june band book club entry and uh, we actually heard from listener laura who brought this book and film to our attention actually laura was one of the individuals who ended up writing us back and saying hey just to let you know this book was not actually banned but it does sound like it was gently challenged Mm -hmm. although germany has its own unique approach to i guess banning censoring challenging books so we'll talk a little bit more about that but um thank you laura for this interesting suggestion i don't think they ever actually plan for us to cover it. It was more like, hey, you asked, here's an example. And then we committed to it. And then all of the responses that we got from Laura, Miriam, Yuha, Tea Books and Chocolate, and Victoria were all variations of, why have you done this to us? <laughs> I wish I knew. <sighs> <sighs> no, I'm actually, I'm I'm very intrigued. I've been looking forward to this discussion for quite some time. I can't say that I really liked either of these two texts, but I do think that we're going to have some really fascinating discussions. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to do the plot summary, which is pretty short. Like, not a lot actually happens in the book. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get into some of the uh, thematic questions. Right. I mean, this really is a book that, Uh, for me it felt a lot like watching one of those like gross out films from the late 90s it was like Mm -hmm. it felt like a test of my endurance more than a literary experience but yeah so uh wetlands which is the uh the english translation apparently it could also have been translated as damp areas (laughs) gross (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's the story of 18-year-old Helen Memel. She's a schoolgirl, um, apparently. I have some questions about that, Joe, by the way. But anyway, I'll come back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we meet her in the proctology ward of her local Catholic hospital. She's being treated for an injury that she has sustained. Uh, so she, she, she cuts her anus shaving... Mm-hmm. Um, but I've that been is... so intrigued to see how you're going to handle all the language, by the way. <laughs> this is a very not safe for work, 18 plus sort of uh, text. It go is. on, go on. Okay, so she she cuts herself shaving her anus and creates a fissure. Um, but that is made more complicated and dramatic by the fact that she has like massive hemorrhoids. Mm-hmm. So this is how she finds herself in hospital. She needs to have a surgery where they remove like a wedged shaped 
portion of the anal opening, I guess, uh, in order to both relieve her hemorrhoids and heal the fissure that she has Mm -hmm. endured. So this is what brings her to the hospital. It should be a relatively short time in the hospital. She just has to stay until she has a bowel movement and then she'll be allowed to leave. But Helen is taking this as an opportunity to try to trap her parents back Mm -hmm. into being in love with each other. And so she's desperately looking for ways to make her hospital stay longer, which ends Mm -hmm. with one of the most horrifying scenes I've ever actually read. Where she takes the pedal that, like, lifts the hospital bed up and down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she basically rams her herself onto yeah. it mm-hmm. to open up the wounds again and start bleeding. And so she has to have emergency surgery because she is having extreme blood loss from her anus. It's a lot, Joe. It is a lot. Yeah. And it should be noted, of course, that this is only the tip of the iceberg because, oh. of course, Helen is by herself, left to her own devices in the hospital, and she spends most of her time reminiscing on her various thoughts and approaches to life, which include uh, fairly graphic descriptions of how she interacts with her own feminine hygiene, her values and approaches to sex, and basically just all manner of young womanhood. Yeah, yeah. So Helen um, thinks that society's approach to hygiene is uh, is overwrought. Mm-hmm. And she likes to counter it in lots of different ways from the fairly mild or banal, like spitting in other people's food and water. And yeah, on the scale of this book, that's the banal. Yes. Um, up to like rubbing herself on toilet seats to try to counter what she was taught as a child about hovering on toilet seats, um, Mm -hmm. to making her own tampons and then sometimes losing them inside herself, Mm -hmm. various vegetables and parts of vegetables that she places in various orifices in her sexual exploration. Sure. If you can imagine it, and it's it's gross, it's in this book somewhere. So all this to say... She has the emergency surgery. It doesn't bring her parents together, Mm-mm. surprisingly. In the backstory, she has fallen in love with her male nurse. And eh. yeah, there's a, yeah, we'll talk mm-hmm. about the ending. Anyway, she ends up leaving the hospital with the nurse, which is like, okay. And there's this whole backstory about the roots of Helen's trauma. which seemed to be that uh, as a child, she came home one day and witnessed that her mother had tried to kill herself and her brother by turning the gas on on the oven. Mm -hmm. And it's Helen who calls for help and saves them both. And so the relationship between Helen and her mother has been complicated throughout the book. Yes. It's interesting because in the book, her mother is clearly depressed um, Mm -hmm. and has obviously some like really significant problems and but in the film she's made out to be just a complete psychopath like it's very interesting to me how the the two choices because I didn't read her that way I just read her as like not a great mom and pretty personally troubled and Helen is not very sympathetic towards her mother she's very sympathetic towards her father who is the one who left Yes, and we did receive a comment about that. And I think there's there's a fair amount about Helen's trauma. Yes. 
Um, so, I mean, I, Joe, that's what I've got for a plot summary. Because, like, not much yeah. happens. It's sort of a bottle story, right? It happens in the hotel in hotel room. God, horrible hotel. It happens in the hospital room. Mm-hmm. And it happens over the course of time that it takes her to recover and then not recover from this surgery. So everything's yes. really encapsulated. It's really, I mean, the story is in the... Character development is not the right word. The I sort know. of interior study of this one person who I hope to never meet. Right, yeah. Okay, so where shall we begin with this? Should we reference Laura's uh, explanation about the status of banned and challenged books in Germany just to set the stage and then we can go into the book? Yeah, I think that'd be a useful place to start. Okay, so Laura wrote in and clarified that Wetlands was never actually a banned book. So in Germany, there's something called the Federal Review Board for Media, harmful to minors. And there was a challenge that was put in place that the book should not be made available to underage readers. And apparently this Federal Review Board ended up rejecting that, um, saying that, yeah, it, it was more or less fine so the book was never removed from public consumption it was still allowed to be displayed and sold to minors and put in shops and advertised and so on and apparently that basically meant that people were free to read it and this book did cause not only a massive i don't want to say controversy but it did cause a stir it got a lot of people talking and I think that's actually one of the more interesting things to come out of it. It's almost like the book is its own thing. We're going to talk about that. But then there's also the way that people have reacted to the book and the conversations that have come about as a result. Well, the book itself was an absolute sensation. So here's a wild stat. Mm -hmm. In March of 2008, this book was the world's best-selling novel. Yeah, not Germany. The whole world. And it only existed in German at that time. It didn't get published in English until 2009. So the German language edition of this book was the world's best-selling novel for a a month in 2008. So think about how many people in Germany or in German-speaking countries would have had to have purchased a copy of it for that to be the case. Yeah. Yeah, that is significant. Like, did everybody buy two copies? Like, I'm just baffled by those numbers. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, in Tea Books and Chocolate's response, they actually compare this book to Fifty Shades of Grey. And I can almost understand why that might be the case. And it's because this is like... A dirty little book where Mm -hmm. somebody reads it, they get incensed or scandalized by it, and then they tell all of their co-workers or all of their friends, and then everybody else rushes out to see what the big deal is about. We should also note that both Miriam and Tea Books and Chocolate noted that their copies of the book were listed in the erotica section. So Mm. I thought that that was a really intriguing classification because to me, this is kind of a YA slash fiction book. That's where it comes from in my copy. Mm -hmm. And yet I could also understand that if people were like, ooh, it's a dirty piece of erotica, that would only make it more sensational. Well, you know, along those lines, Tea Books and Chocolate had the observation that the plot here feels secondary to the sexual content, mm-hmm. and the sexual content feels secondary to the shock value. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I know that it was derided by some people as being, like, cleverly marketed pornography, 
And for other people, it was like, this is groundbreaking erotica. And for me, it's neither of those things. <laughs> like, it's just, I, I think that there are some interesting ways in which it's, you know, first of all, the fact that our absolutely grotesque character is female, it's obviously subverting all kinds of tropes mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. what young womanhood should be like and ought to be like. But to that end, I think it's far more interested in being repulsive than it is in meaningfully exploring young women's sort of erotic life. Like, it feels to me like the things that are in this book are primarily there to, well, to shock, to horrify, to mm -hmm. stun, as opposed to like, actually thinking through sort of what sexual pleasure means for an 18 year old because i'm actually not even sure like when helen is describing for example that she thinks the hottest thing in the world is for five men to ejaculate on a pizza and then for mm -hmm. her to eat it i'm yeah. not really sure how that's about women's pleasure like at all yeah shock was definitely a term that came up in nearly everyone's responses and i'll confess i very much struggled to get through the book in particular i do think the film has been slightly watered down to make it more palatable mm -hmm. to audiences the book absolutely feels like it's trying to barrel out of the gate and be like what can i say that's going to absolutely incense everyone especially because we're talking about a young sexually active woman mm -hmm. like it feels as though it was almost genetically created in a lab like what are the combination of factors that are going to make people <laughs> really upset yeah and in some this is where i'm so divided on this in some ways i absolutely respect roche for writing this and just making it nasty and gross and dirty and saying like yes women are capable of doing all of this yes young women are capable of doing all of this and i think that that is an interesting conversation to be had I also could only ever read about two to three pages mm -hmm. at a go. And then I would have to put it down because I was just like, oh, like, I, I get it. But ugh. <laughs> it's funny because the, the sex stuff doesn't particularly phase me. The menstrual yeah. stuff doesn't particularly phase me. But mm -hmm. the, the, part where, <laughs> the part where she insists on, like, sharing her bodily fluids with other people and mm. all the poop stuff that was beyond <laughs> my ken apparently that's where i drew my in my interior line interesting interesting mm. yeah mm. um i found some of the some of the hygiene aspects to be more upsetting and i don't think that it was necessarily that it was a woman it was that like one of Helen's fixations is that she doesn't believe anything her body produces can be bad for yeah. her. So she's constantly just taking her own byproducts and consuming them. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that really grossed me out. Just <laughs> absolutely horrified me. I um, I don't know. It's like the extreme version of um, uh, you've seen the vagina monologues, right? I have. Yes. So there's this like supposed to be extremely shocking line although as a society i think we've just moved beyond it but like mm -hmm. there's this thing in the vagina monologues about how it's like a feminist act to have tasted your own menstrual blood to have like uh, okay. crossed mm -hmm. that boundary of sort of socially imposed disgust with your own body in that way and this is kind of like that cranked to 11 <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> because, you know, it, we, in vagina monologues, that's all entirely contextualized within this idea of, like, 
society has dictated that women's bodies are disgusting and we have the power to resist that, yada, yada, yada. Whereas I think, you know, I, I found it really interesting. Laura wrote that she found this book to be a feminist revelation, right? It gave her a framework to challenge things like shaving your body hair, sexual agency, decency and being proper and, and all that kind of stuff. Ooh, can we put in the caveat that that was at age 16? Yeah, sorry. Yes, absolutely. And I, I get that. And I can definitely see how this book could serve this purpose to a young reader, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think within the context of the narrative, Helen isn't resisting patriarchy. She right. is resisting her mother yeah. in a very specific way, right? And the ways in which, I mean, yes, she experiments sexually with women, but so much of what she's interested in is what is pleasurable to men and the mm -hmm. way that men express sexual gratification like yeah. that is sort of like the thing she seeks the most and so i read a lot of reviews of the book that that put it on this kind of feminist pedestal and i just mm -hmm. challenged that because i think what we really have here is a pretty bog standard resistance of the mother figure yeah yeah i don't disagree with that at all like when Laura wrote in that at a certain age, this did feel like something where, oh, okay, so I don't have to mm. uphold to these societally imposed beauty standards. And and Miriam observed the same kind of thing, you know, thinking about how this maybe conflicts with the quote unquote perfect woman that we see on TV and magazines and other forms of media. And I would welcome those kinds of conversations. But you're right, so much of this does feel like what a young woman feels she needs to do in order to bring pleasure to men like there mm -hmm. are the occasional instances where helen will say like i really enjoy this like i enjoy the feeling of this i do this for myself and so on but a lot of those are i think you're right rooted in a kind of infantile resistance or sort of like yeah if you ma kind of rebellion mm -hmm. against the parent figure that she blames for the dissolution of the marriage we don't hear her say anything bad about her dad except for the fact that he's absent-minded but she loves nearly everything he does mm -hmm. and she seems to really resent her mother and i think even part of that resentment is rooted in the trauma that it's not just that her mother wanted to kill herself and also helen's younger brother but that she didn't try to kill Helen with them. Oh, yeah, there's a total rejection there, right? The idea that they would have left her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huge. And I, and I, you know, I don't think the mother is a saintly figure by any stretch no. of the imagination, but some of what Roche is doing here is just so heavy-handed, right? Like, my mother made <laughs> me clean the bathroom every day, and therefore I rub feces on myself when given the opportunity. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things that I was really interested in, so Tea Books and Chocolate wrote in about uh, how this book discusses sex and sexual pleasure, but also things like kink and... I thought that, that was a fascinating piece because they go on to say, I want young people to learn about the various ways their bodies can feel good and exist without judgment. This didn't feel affirming, though. It felt like the point is to see Helen as messed up. And T-Bucks and Chocolate says they would love to see more YA grapple with the many ways humans can have sex and the limitless kinks and that kind of stuff and how it can all be sexy and affirming. But 
this feels like a product of its time and that sort of late 2000s, early 2010s shock genre of entertainment. Yeah, that's how I felt about it too. I, As Miriam pointed out in her response, there's an element here where the author is just taking it a little too far. Like Roche pushes some of these boundaries so far that yeah, they move from sexy and affirming to yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I get it. And I'm slightly exhausted by it. And I think if this book really does want to do the work of being feminist and sexually affirming, then we have got to unpack what the heck is happening with the end. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, let's move to the end. And then maybe we can talk about the film because you're right, there there just isn't that much here. But then mm-hmm. the, the end of both the book and to a lesser extent, the film uh, just introduces a whole new host of troubling, well, I was going to say issues, but really it's just one. It's like, what are we doing here? So in the book, Helen spends much of the time that she's in the hospital flirting with Robin, this nurse who is looking after her. And from my reading of the book, that was not reciprocated. It was just Mm -hmm. like, there's this girl who is kind of gross and she makes me do weird things, but I'm just looking after as best I can, whatever. Like that was the read I had on Robin, Mm -hmm. partly because, you know, she's 18, but she's like fairly freshly 18 and she is still in school, but she tells us, oh, it's nice to have a nurse who's my own age. And I was like, well, that's Mm -hmm. not a thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, There's no way your nurse is 18. And so the book goes from having normal appropriate boundaries between Robin and the patient, the patient being someone who is obviously pushing at all those boundaries, but Robin Mm -hmm. is holding them up, to at the end, they leave together Mm -hmm. and they they have some comments that indicate that the relationship is clearly going to be sexual. And it turns Robin the nurse into this complete predator at the end of the book because this is clearly a disturbed young woman in a crisis moment and he's going to take her back to his house and have sex with her. And it's Mm -hmm. like, pardon me? What just happened here? And I thought that this was yet another fantasy sequence. There are a lot of fantasy sequences in the book where Helen imagines sort of what could happen in this scenario. Mm -hmm. And I kept waiting for her to be like, but actually I was all alone and no one picked me up from the hospital, the end. But instead, no, this isn't a fantasy ending. This is what actually happens. And I, I have no idea what to do with this. Yeah, it's interesting because Tea Books and Chocolate does make the argument that this is ambiguous. So is she actually doing this? Is she leaving with Robin? Is the nature of the relationship real? Or is Robin like gonna drop her off at a psych ward or something like that? But I think you and I both ended up coming down more on the side of Yuha, who in his comment says, it doesn't work for him. Mm -hmm. You know, you understand letting go of the parents, but going home with this nurse just rubs you the wrong way. And well, it does work a little bit better in the movie, it really feels off in the book, right? And especially it's almost like Roche is doing a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, haha, but we're going to also talk about butt stuff because the whole book is predicated on issues that you've had with your, with your butt. That's how you ended up in this situation. And you're just like, I think you think that this is funny. And instead, we're all just like deeply repulsed that we're maybe watching either a predatory member of an institution and or... It just feels so tasteless in like a really, truly vulgar way that other parts of the book have just felt really childish. 
particularly because I thought that the underlying through line of the book was going to be trauma. Like, Mm -hmm. Victoria writes in with a really thoughtful reflection on the ways in which Helen's behavior is obviously this exaggerated version of rebellion against a parent, but that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as Victoria points out, that exaggeration is a response to the trauma that she endured as a child and this, you know, moment where she had to save her mother and her brother, but also the rejection she feels um, and this resentment towards her mother in particular, the fact that her mother is absent when she's in the hospital, like all of this stuff, right? We've got this recurring trauma thing going on. And so then to turn around and end the novel on what I think is a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just don't understand what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels almost like a slap in the face, but also I don't know any other way that this could have ended. Like it wouldn't have made sense for the parents to have gotten back together. No. And I do think it would have been more honest and true to what came before to simply have Helen just walk out of this hospital and be like, and now I get to go on with my life. But this feels like the kind of F you that Charlotte Roche is trying to imbue with everything else. Like, no, I'm not going to give you any kind of satisfactory ending. And it doesn't, it doesn't satisfy in any way at all. No, no, it doesn't. And I guess, you know, I mean, there's an argument to be made here that the whole book is interested in subverting expectation. And so Mm. Roche also subverts our expectation with the ending of the book. Like, I think that would be a generous reading to give here. Right. But my problem with that is that there's this basket of snakes that underlie it around like, yeah, Robin is deeply unethical then. Robin goes from being probably the only kind of sympathetic-esque character in the book because Robin is also being imposed upon by Helen in much the same way the reader is. And so Mm. I thought that Robin was supposed to be kind of like the every reader character. Um, But instead, Robin is just another person exploiting this traumatized child. Yeah. Okay, well, let's, let's put a pin in that, because I think that that's a fascinating way to enter our discussion about the film. Hast du Hunger? Hygiene wird bei mir klein geschrieben. Je dreckiger die Toilette, desto besser. Da ich mich innerlich sehr gegen das Rasieren wehre, mache ich das immer zu schnell und zu doll. So the film is made in 2013. It is directed by David Went Went Wenent. Sorry, I'm mispronouncing a lot of this because German. Uh, it was also written by the same man as well as Klaus Falkenberg, and it stars Carla Yuri as Helen, Christoph Lakowski as Robin, Marlon Cruz as Corinna, who we've not talked about. That is Helen's neighbor slash best friend. She's much more important in the film. Exactly. Yes. And then Merritt Becker as Helen's mother and Axel Milberg as Helen's father. So, Brenna, let's pick up this discussion about Robin, because I feel like one of the interesting things that happens in the film is that there is no doubt that she and Robin are not just actively flirting, but that he is sexually interested in her. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a scene where he 
allows himself to be manipulated inside her and he is totally into it until he gets caught by his ex-girlfriend Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in general, part of the reason why the Helen Robin storyline is not as horrifying in the film is because they do visually look to be about the same age. Correct. Yes. So the exploitative overtones that are inescapable in the novel are somewhat subdued. You kind of forget that she's supposed to be 18. Mm-hmm. And that helps a lot. It makes <laughs> It makes it a lot less gross, frankly. Like, it's still wrong. Like, mm-hmm. uh, P.S. to any medical professionals listening, please don't do this. <laughs> um, it's still gross and wrong, but it is less... I guess Helen seems more like an active participant in her own life. And mm-hmm. I think, too, the filmmakers make the choice to really not reveal the trauma until the final moments of the film. Yes. Um, which also means that we don't spend the whole text the way we do in the novel really realizing just how deeply traumatized Helen has been. Yeah. So instead we have an adult character fully in charge of her sense of herself in the world, fully agent in her life, making one horrible decision at the end of the book or Mm -hmm. at the end of the film, which is a lot easier to take, frankly. Yeah, and it it is interesting because, I mean, Carla Yuri does look older. Like, it'd be easy Mm -hmm. to see her as anywhere between 18 and maybe even, like, 25, even Mm -hmm. though her her styling is relatively young. She's wearing a lot of mini skirts and things that you would traditionally associate with teenagers. Mm -hmm. And I think that does help to make it go down more smoothly, there's almost like a good chemistry between there her is. and Robin. And the film very much presents his ex-girlfriend, who was also a nurse at the hospital. You know, she's a bit of a, a frigid, sort of combative alter. Yeah, she's the opposite of Helen. Yes, thank you. And <laughs> so it almost ends up treating the relationship between Helen and Robin as a bit of a romantic comedy where you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, these two wacky kids deserve each other. They should definitely end up together at the end of the film. So when they do, it feels more appropriate in that way. Yeah. Now, with regard to the trauma, yeah, I was interested to see how they basically treat it almost like a repressed memory. So Mm -hmm. we catch little glimpses of Helen when she gets into the water at different times. And we'll see like the eight-year-old version of her come out of a pool, sort of walk towards something. And it's only at the end of the film that you get to see the bodies of her mother and younger brother in the kitchen. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I thought that that was an interesting creative decision. I actually think the film makes a lot of compelling decisions to make all of this more palatable. Still very, very gross. You know, the opening scene introduces Helen going into the most disgusting public bathroom and... In bare feet, Joe! In bare feet, in bare feet, in bare feet! I texted Joe and I was like, in bare feet, Joe! (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is so dirty that it actually feels set design. Like, it felt overly dirty. Although I do love that it goes into opening credits of just, like, all of the bacteria in animated form. (laughs) There's, yeah, so she's just, like, skateboarding around the city in her bare feet, and she goes into what appears to be, like, a subway bathroom. It's underground, Mm -hmm. and she has to walk through, like, two inches of sewage water in her bare feet, and I just... I was like, oh, it's going to be one of these movies. I'm going to have to watch it in 15-minute increments. (laughs) (laughs) But there's also a lot of, like, really fun moments, right? Like, So there's a moment in both the book and the film where she and Karina end up stealing 
a Coke can full of just absolutely the gamut of illicit drugs from their drug dealer. And in the film, this ends up getting presented almost like an early montage in train spotting or something where they're just having the absolute best time doing all of these (laughs) terrible things. And it feels like a music video. And I kind of loved it. Visually, I think the film really gets it right. It's um, almost entirely candy colored. Yes. It helps so much, right? It helps a lot. It feels kind of like you're watching a live action cartoon a Mm -hmm. lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And that really helps. The other thing that helps is that the film cuts away from the worst of the grossness in a way that the book doesn't, right? The book Mm -hmm. revels in describing, for example, what happens when a hospital bed lever enters your rectum. Mm -hmm. Whereas the film just cuts away from that. And it was always going to be that way. I don't of think course. there's any version of this film that's ever going to be like sort of realistic in depicting those things. But I no. think that the combination of this very poppy soundtrack, this very, as you say, sort of music video-esque um, cinematography, this bright color palette, like mm-hmm. all of that makes it feel much more like, I don't know, kind of a fun and funny experience. It's a bit of a romp. It's a romp. I think Carla Yuri was rightfully singled out as a high point in the film, and mm-hmm. she absolutely anchors it. She's super dynamic to watch. She's so charming. It was interesting. I had to look her up because I, I thought, you know, she looks very familiar to me. She actually reminded me a little bit of the actress from the It movies, as mm-hmm. well as um, I Am Not Okay With This. Mm-hmm, 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 and, mm-hmm. of course, it's not her. It's no. just that they're both redheads who have kind of like gentle waviness to their hair but um i i realized that i've seen carla yuri she's a second slash tertiary character in the new blade runner 2049 from a couple years ago i was like oh yeah she played one of the replicants okay okay there's something about her she's very charming first of all but also her face so expressive so expressive and so You always feel like you're in on the joke with Mm -hmm. Helen in this film in a way that I didn't feel with the book. Like, this film is a lot more fun than the book. The book is not fun. Um, And I think that the one problem with that is it makes the traumatic reveal feel very odd uh, to me. Like, I think it's good that they left it to the end. Mm -hmm. I think it's useful in the way that we meet and interact with Helen to not have that sense of her if we're going to make this film to the kind of the candy-coated degree that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but the flip is that it's a very significant tone shift that goes directly then into the ending of the movie. Right. And I'm not 100% sure that it worked for me. I almost, to be honest, I almost didn't need her to have a backstory at that mm-hmm. point because I don't think the film is very interested in it otherwise. Well, okay. So I have a question then because... Roche is obviously doing some very specific things or like she has designs with the book, right? It's meant to be feminist and confrontational. And also it's a character study of this traumatized girl. You know, if we're being generous to all the different readings, it's Mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. The film very much just feels like it's a fun character romp. And I think part of what you're struggling with is it's not just, oh, we also have to do this hard left turn into a traumatic backstory at the end of it, but just it feels like the film isn't actually interested in engaging Mm -hmm. with either the trauma or the feminist messaging. It's just Mm -hmm. like, here's a wacky girl. We're going to follow her on some adventures for about an hour and 40 minutes. (laughs) 
Yeah, I I think that that is a completely fair analysis of how I feel about it. And I think what leaves me deeply conflicted is that I wasn't expecting to enjoy the mm-hmm. gross-out humor frivolity more than the character study. But I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's weird because I actually think this is a very strong adaptation. Like, they managed to keep in nearly all of the more memorable escapades that she gets up to in the book. So, like, the the stealing of the drugs, you know, all of the hygiene stuff. Basically, everything running from the rote to the ridiculous is all sort of captured in here. Mm-hmm. And yet, I do think it's because she is so compelling as a character. Yeah. All of the rest of it sort of falls by the wayside as a result. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it actually makes the film more enjoyable and more memorable in that capacity. But yeah, we, we have lost nearly all of that messaging. Which is honestly, I think part of the reason why we don't mind that is because it doesn't ultimately work in the book. Like, right. Roche may think she's doing all of those things, but ultimately it's sort of one character's obsession with proving her mother wrong about mm-hmm. everything because it's a family in deep trauma that hasn't dealt with the central traumatic act, right? Yeah. I don't frankly think that Roche is a strong enough writer in this book to do that successfully. You know, and, you know, she has later books, which have also garnered a lot of controversy, right? right? And she herself has a pretty tragic backstory that seems to find its way into her her literature. So I don't want to come down super hard on her, but I think there's a reason why the film is more compelling, even though the plot points are basically the same. Mm-hmm. So, okay, one final quick conversation, and then maybe we can play some white bingo with this. Sure. Just because we sort of danced around it a lot, and obviously it came up in terms of like the shockingness, the grossness of it. To what extent are we, as readers, who are both a little bit more prudish, (laughs) how much do you think that affects our enjoyment, in quotation marks, of the book compared to the obviously more palatable version in the film, which we both prefer? Oh, yeah, I mean, probably hugely so, right? Like, ultimately, I think that there's a particular sensibility that's being courted in the book, right? Okay. And it's it's not a sensibility I share. Um, so it's this, <laughs> fair, like, fair, fair. it's this idea of sort of a complete, not resistance to, but rejection of social norms, social right. mores. Mm-hmm. I think it's, as we've already talked about, I think it's wrong to try to read that as a feminist critique because I don't think the critique is ultimately feminist, right? Yeah. Like, it's not just about... Uh, reveling in female pleasure. It's as much about performing extremeness and grossness for the pleasure of young men, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that Helen comes back to over and over again is like, boys like it when you smell a little strong, right? Or boys like this and boys like that. And while there are same-sex forays in the text, Mm -hmm. I think that Helen's interest is in men and particularly in pleasing men. So, I think for me, there was a lot that I could have forgiven about the book in other contexts. Like, I think that if I felt the feminist message was stronger, if I felt like the central trauma being articulated was more connected to those kinds of experiences, I think I would have been able to go along with it a lot Mm. more. I've always loved that scene in the vagina monologues, for example, because I get the purpose of it. Right. I think that this was always going to be a hard sell for me, but I could have been persuaded. And I don't think Roche persuades me. Is that fair? 
I do think that that's fair. Yeah. You know, I said earlier in the episode, I struggled to get more than a couple pages Mm -hmm. in at a time. And it was often because I had been disgusted. And I knew that that was the point. And I felt almost manipulated. Like every time it worked, I got frustrated with myself (laughs) because I like to think that I'm progressive. And so I just kept having this kind of weird interrogation of myself, myself as a reader. And yeah, you know, was I not liking this because I have all these sort of like secret conservative, not values, but like approaches to things like sex and sexuality as much as I try to work on it myself. And I think I I ended up coming down less eloquently on the same position as you where I was just like I know what you're doing I just don't think it's working as well as you think it does yeah I think you've engaged in more introspection about the form of this novel than Charlotte Roche ever did (laughs) uh whatever she's the last one laughing she's probably made millions off of this so good for her yeah for sure all right let's do some YA bingo do it bingo not a good bingo okay could be a fairly empty card. I'm interested to see how we do. Yeah, I am too. Okay, so borrowed time because of the bottle narrative, right? Eventually sure. she has to be let out of the hospital. So that's mm-hmm. got to happen. I'll give it that. I'm going to give it an aged up for the film version because yes. I do think the fact that Helen looks a lot older helps with a lot of what's happening. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to try to make an argument for dead bodies Mm-hmm. even though they revive the bodies. Can I make an argument for that? <laughs> sure, yes. Okay, cool, because the trauma is important. And then the film engages very heavily in montage. Yes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would also say musicality as well. Yes, yeah. I like the soundtrack a lot, a lot. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably one of the stronger selling features of this film is just mm-hmm. its capacity for moving you with movement and music and editing. Yes, agreed. Um, I, I have abuse because this is self-abuse. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It's interesting that you say that because when I was finishing up the film this morning, I was sort of pondering, like, do we need to give a trigger warning for self-harm for this I think so. text? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of quite horrific moments like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the only other one that I have is uh, CGI, just because I think the film is actually really clever with the bacteria opening sequence. Yeah, I think the playfulness with the visuals in general works really well. And where they do use CGI, it's very effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we haven't talked about Karina at all. And I was gonna ask if you wanted to give her a good friendships slot or a perfect date slot for the drug fueled romp. Uh, yeah, I'll go with the perfect day because it actually doesn't end badly, except mm-hmm. for uh, the drug dealer himself, who I thought, oh, okay, are are we going to get a very playful split screen murder right now? I but thought he was about to get not. murdered. No, I was glad when he didn't get murdered. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was more appreciative of the fact that we got a good friendship with Karina in the film. Mm-hmm. She still ultimately doesn't really play an important part, but... I could almost see as I was watching particularly the movie, less of the book, I imagine that you were watching and thinking, oh, you know what? If it had been more about Helen and Karina having mm-hmm. female friendship adventures, I would have liked this. You know, I yes, definitely. And part of that is that the film is very wise to recognize that it's hard to spend a lot of time with Helen and we need someone for her to bounce off of. And mm-hmm. Karina is that person. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Not a line. 
Yeah, you're right. It is not a line. Um, but I'm okay with that because it means we're done. Let's move on. Let's never talk about this again. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So next week's episode is one I've been pretty excited for, Joe. We're going to check out uh, the new Apple TV movie, The Sky is Everywhere, and Uh the book it is based on. 12 years between the book and the adaptation. So I'm excited to talk to you about this one. I have never heard of it. This is a you (laughs) choice. So I will just say cool. And we'll talk about it next week. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. And if you're reading ahead to the next book club, we're reading Cousins by Virginia Hamilton going into our classic YA mode. Mm. Uh, And after that, it'll be the absolutely true diary of a part time Indian by Sherman Alexie. And yes, we will talk about Sherman Alexie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I like that we're shaking up these banned books. So big, big thanks to Laura for mm-hmm. sort of, kind of, but not really bringing this to our attention. And as mm-hmm. always, thank you to everyone else who also wrote in, including Victoria, Yuha, Miriam, and Tea Books and Chocolate. It 100% makes the show when you write in for book club. We really appreciate it. And so to that end, just a reminder that as you're reading along with Cousins and then with The Absolutely True Diary, you can always find us on Twitter at HKHSPod or on the hashtag HKHSPod. And for longer form reflections for book club, we love getting those by email, HKHSPod at gmail.com. Joe, if they want to share like stills from the film that are their favorite gross out moments, where do they find you? No, no, don't do that to me. Uh, I give you a reach to be stole my remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray, and that is Gray with an A. And also, please don't talk to me about this book. <laughs> oh. <sighs> yeah. So uh, until next time, Joe, uh, let's not do this specific thing again, but mm-hmm. let's do something else fun. I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. And I think, too, that if this book was doing the work of being feminist and affirming and sexually, I was going to say affirming again, that's not helpful. Let me try to get <laughs> And it stars Carla Yuri as Helen Christoph. Oh, my God. I had this all ready to go.